Hey fam, how are you doing? Um, just a quick notification before you get into this installment of Hop Stories with Faith podcast. Due to a number of technical difficulties and network issues, uh, part of the recording may have echoes and maybe some of the words may not be very clear. So a thousand apologies for that, but just a heads up before you get into it. Hopefully, it will not take away from the gist of the conversation. So, yeah, a thousand apologies for that. Hey, fam, how are you doing? I hope you're all enjoying the holiday and resting and being with family and friends or whatever it is that you want to do during this season. Uh, welcome to the final installment of Hop Stories with Faith podcast for the year 2020. And we are looking at a very interesting topic. Um, you know how there's so much in the media spaces, this narrative of is the future female. And we want to look at that in this episode. And I have a special guest, Grace Olukune, who's going to be talking to me uh, about that and looking at does God have something to say in terms of that? So sit back and enjoy. Hi, Grace. Uh, welcome to today's episode of uh, Hope Stories Podcast with Faith. It's such an honor to have you. Thank you so much, Faith. It really is an honor and a privilege to be a part of this awesome podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Please, can you just briefly, uh, before we get into the, the podcast, to ease you into it, just briefly share with us your favorite African country? I know it's not on the script, but yeah, what is your favorite African country and why um, is that your favorite? Wow, my favorite African. This is this is like tearing me in pieces now. <laughs> <laughs> There's a part of me, I mean, I'm, I'm born and raised Kenyan, so as expected, mm-hmm. I should have a love for my country, which I do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I spent 19 years of my life there uh, growing up. And mm-hmm. for me, it's, it's the feeling of home, the, the culture, the, the diversity in terms of having, um, being able to live by the coast, which is where my mom stays now, to having the mm-hmm. life, to the city life. So, you know, I really just immersed myself fully into, you know, the different parts of Kenya. But I mean, then having to have come to South Africa, which is home for my children now, there's, it's a whole, you know, we, I, I don't think of South Africa as Africa, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like a different place. <laughs> you know, my son has just yeah. and for him, it's the first time living outside of South Africa. And it's like, I told him, now you live in a third world country. Now you know what it really feels. <laughs> um, but then, then yeah. there's the part of me which thinks Zanzibar because I, I really just enjoy traveling. And so far of the places that I've been to, I've really enjoyed Zanzibar for the holiday, just, you know, when you want to have downtime and be away from home. And of course, I have the privilege of being able to speak Swahili. So, it you know, you yeah. 
while feeling like a tourist at the same time. So yeah, it's it's nice. That's, that's why I'm like, it's like tearing me because I've been in so many places that I love. Wow. Well, I think you must keep on uh, visiting the different parts because there's still more to to actually embrace and love. I mean, I you've already <laughs> you've already chosen like about three of them. Yeah, I'm sure by the time you you get to fifty, you'll be like, okay, I just love Africa. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm actually heading in that direction. I do have a passion for Africa in general, but I haven't visited. Mm-hmm much of it as I would like. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's that's awesome. Um can you just briefly tell the audience who you are? I know you've already spoken about how you were born in Kenya. Um who is Grace? That's a good question. <laughs> Grace <laughs> is you know I I normally uh define myself by my name and I literally, when I think of myself, I just think of the grace of God. Um, Because if I look at my life, the story of my life, everything about my life, it really is about the grace of God. So I, Mm -hmm. myself, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I'm feeling other people's prayers. Um, So, yeah. So first I would say is I'm a daughter of the Most High. I am in love with him. I live my life for him um, and that's my top priority in life or the story Mm -hmm. really Um, I am happily married to a tall dark and handsome man named Harold Uh, we've been married (laughs) you know he's gonna kill me now if I don't know the number of years for 12 and (laughs) years now been married for almost 13 years uh been together i think for over 20 years so you know i feel like the marriage part just cuts off the rest of the life that you've shared um we yeah. have three boys um anganati is 23 living out on his own i'm in i'm i'm now experiencing what is um not it's not really empty nest but i i now see what it's gonna feel like when i have to deal with the rest of the boys leaving um mm-hmm. David, who's 10, and uh, Jonathan, who's 7, going on 15. And <laughs> not going to be any more children, thanks to Jonathan. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, am well. also, <laughs> I also serve at church um, at a pastoral level, um, eldership as well in Sunning Hill. Um, and whatever else the church or God wants me to do, I do. And at work, I, mm-hmm. which is actually a hobby and more than a job because I really love what I do. So I don't know if that tells you anything about me, but that's that's me <laughs> in a nutshell. Yes, it definitely does. Uh, thank you for that um, sh- very brief summary of who you are. Um, so... You, you you were actually a natural choice for this topic. By the way, we're talking about feminism today and, and the, the, the godly perspective with that. So for me, it was a natural choice to actually choose you. Obviously, first of all, because you're female. But you, you also are found in many spaces that are deemed male-dominated in quotes. Tell us how that came about. Yeah, I have been thinking about this one. So I think for me, um, I am the first of two girls in our family. And both my sister and mm-hmm. very much uh, daddy's girls. But because of my mm-hmm. um, 
no sanctified naughtiness. Okay, it wasn't sanctified at the time. But um, <laughs> my dad kind of used to take me around with him because he felt like he needed to be in control of this child. I was a tomboy. I had problem listening to what my mother had to say. So naturally, my dad would just take me and I couldn't sit still. I, I, was, I wanted to explore. I just wanted to see and I wanted to do. So my dad would take mm -hmm. me on his escapades. He was an engineer as well by a profession and he had his own company. Mm -hmm. So when he had these work trips where, you know, there was a lot of field trips, obviously, because you're building and you're, you know, constructing and there's always something happening. So he, he used to take me around mm -hmm. doing that. And just the fact that he wasn't sitting in an office for me was fascinating, apart from you know, mm -hmm. the work itself that he was doing. So there was no question in my mind that when I grew up, I was going to be an engineer. Um, my mom, mm -hmm. probably the one child she knows who never really changed stories or careers throughout life. You know, in life, people change what they want to be. But from like age of five, I was like, I want to be an engineer, except for when I read Anna the Air Hostess. And then I thought maybe I want to be an <laughs> And then my grandfather kind of discouraged me there because he said that's just like being a waiter in the sky. Um, or a pilot is like being a driver wow. in the sky. I know this is, you see, the male domination came in there. Anyway. Um, yeah. So, but I think main the main thing was going around with my dad and growing up with, with the type of parents that I had, I never felt, I never knew there was a difference between male and female, to be honest. Um, I mm. was raised to be confident. Um, I was very stubborn and rebellious naturally. So they learned to work with that with me as a person. So I was always a person. I was not a girl necessarily. And it could be also because my dad wanted a boy and never had one. So I became that child that he treated like a boy, but I never knew that. Um, so mm. I, for me, entering in a male dominated world was entering a world without knowing that I wasn't supposed to fit in. Um, sure. I also had a lot of male friends. So again, I fit in better or most of my friends were guys because I could relate to them well. So I think those two aspects of my life kind of just, it ne I never realized that I was a girl and that it was very different from being a boy. Mm. Yeah. Sure. I know you are also a pastor, and how is that as, as a woman pastor as well? How is that for you? Um, so I haven't felt like there's been personally. Um, I haven't experienced what I would say would be uh, discrimination necessarily. Mm -hmm. I've come across different perspectives in terms of or different opinions where there are some churches that believe women should be quiet and should sit down. Um, but in the church where I serve, I haven't seen that being the case. Um, so mm. I don't experience the discrimination in terms of, as a pastor, this is what women do and this is what men do. I, I don't see that discrimination because what I have seen is both men and women fulfilling the roles, depending on what that person's uh, talents, giftings, callings are, um, rather than whether they're male or female. So. I wouldn't say necessarily mm. see that differentiation. And I think for me, having um, been in different churches, coming to the church where I am now at Every Nation, um, it's a breath of fresh air for me because it's it's a place where mm. it's really genuinely about serving God with the giftings and the callings um, that God has put on our lives as opposed to um, it being about 
male or female. Mm, yeah, that's so good. So, so um, I, I tried to find a definition of uh, feminism from Miriam Webster, and, and she defines it as a theory of political, economic, and social equality of the sexes, as well as the organized activity on behalf of women's rights and interests. Uh, looking around now, because this definition, I think, uh, came up around the 1800s and something. Yeah. What is your perspective as it looks like in our day and age? Um, so I remember, <laughs> and this is the part I'm hoping I don't lose people on the podcast. Hang, hang in there to the end. I, will re- I hope to redeem myself. But mm-hmm. I've always said that I'm not a feminist and only because of what I have seen feminism to be. And I will explain. So I remember mm-hmm. at some point when I was younger, um, there was this whole conference. I think it was in Barcelona where all these women were going to go and meet um, and talk about feminism and and how men need to actually, you know, men are, and, and also the, the more recent thing where people talk about men are trash. And, you know, so, so in that sense, I just felt like it was a very harsh approach to, um, mm-hmm. to an objective. Now, the objective for me is to, is, is the equality aspect of it. I'm not trying to be like a man. What I'm saying is the opportunities that need to be available should be the same, right? So mm-hmm. there be opportunities that are available to one or the other. What we're talking about here is equal opportunity. And that's what for me, mm-hmm. if that is the definition of feminism, then I am a feminist in that sense. Meaning that my objective is to encourage and to promote the equality of opportunity for both men and women. So I'm not saying one above the other. I'm saying mm-hmm. let's all have the equal opportunity to do and to be who God has called us to be um, without discrimination. Mm-hmm. That for me is is what it is. So, um, you know, and then I remember also then at the time when after this whole Barcelona thing and the men were like, okay, well, if that's the case, then you must open your own doors. You must do your own thing. You, we, we must both equally pay for the bills. And, you know, so it was then the men also retaliating on this, this fight for feminism. But the truth is, mm-hmm. for me, when I look across the board, I'm saying equal opportunity is not taking away um, treatment or how or personalities or. And what I mean by that is. Women are typically, and I'm, and I'm again, this is a generalization and it may be a stereotype, but they are nurturers, they are gentler, um, they are not strong. Mm-hmm. We don't have as much testosterone in most cases. So um, in terms of physical strength, we're not necessarily, so we're not trying to achieve those things. When I look at feminism, it's not trying to be a man. It's like what I was saying, it's the, it's the opportunity. So what that means to me is, I still want to be treated like a lady. I still like mm-hmm. to get flowers. I still like my door um, being open for me. All those treatments that I get, being protected, that security that I get from um, from my husband and him taking care of the home, those are things for me that are still important. That doesn't change just because I'm looking for equal opportunity. Um, and so I think mm-hmm. that's where we need to differentiate the role versus the um, the opportunities, because I think for me, roles and opportunities are, are two different things and how we deal with mm-hmm. would be two different things. So 
Feminism in terms of, yes, it has a place in the political, economic and social spaces. Um, and the, there does need to be organized activity on behalf of women's rights and interests because it's something that needs to be heard and to be voiced. Why? Because it's something that is lacking. So mm. feminism in terms of it promoting things, the injustice that is currently being experienced by women around the world, that I promote. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so, so what you're saying is um, feminism must correct the injustice of, of the imbalance of, in terms of equality between the sexes. Absolutely. Exactly that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That, that, that makes sense. So, so can you, do you have like a biblical perspective on that on what you are saying? Can you, Pick it up with some scripture or something. Sure. And, you know, there's a lot of scripture, actually, that I've come across, let's say, the past year or two, just about um, the fact that God is not sexist. Um, and, and I want to start off doing mm -hmm. that because that is the perspective that has been um, preached to people is, is God and men have been achieving things. The women have kind of been in mm -hmm. the background. But if you read the Bible for what it is, you will see that that is not true. It's just the way um, when apartheid happened in South Africa, there was biblical references to it, but the interpretation of it was obviously wrong. So interpret mm -hmm. the Bible to be a very male um, dominating type of book. But if we look through the Bible um, from the beginning, and I'm just going to touch on, on some of them. Um, you'll see that in the book of Judges, in fact, let, yeah, in the book of Judges, let's start there. There's Deborah. Deborah is a judge, meaning that she is in a mm -hmm. authority. Um, and God called mm -hmm. Deborah because Barak refused to go to battle without her. So you already see the role mm -hmm. of um, this woman who's already in the front, on the front line. Um, if we look at of mm -hmm. Exodus. So in, in our congregation, we went through the book of Exodus in quite a bit of detail. And one thing you see is from the beginning, the story of Moses starts with women. The story of Moses starts with a mother who refused to kill her child. It talks about the midwives who refused to kill this child as well and gave the king mm -hmm. to, uh, to Pharaoh. Sorry. Yeah, it's Pharaoh. To, to Pharaoh saying that um, the women give birth before we even get there. Um, you see, mm -hmm. you see Miriam. I'm assuming it's Miriam because it talks about Moses' sister, who went and when she went to the princess and she was like, um, "Oh, by the way, do you need someone to nurse this child?" Who went mm -hmm. back and said, "Oh no," and brought and brought Moses' mom to come and actually nurse Moses until he was older. So you already see this role of women who executed a lot of things and and went against a lot of laws just to see the will of God being promoted. Um, later mm -hmm. on in the Bible, we even see that um, Miriam herself is a leader of the nation together with Moses and Aaron. Um, mm -hmm. I can keep going on, but you know, there's also, if we go to the book of Kings, then there's Huldah who's a prophetess and she had a leading role in the restoration of, of the Israelites. Um, we know mm -hmm. the book of Esther is about Esther who was the queen and she was in a place of authority and because of the place that she was where she risked her own life, the life of the Jewish people, the, the, the Jewish people were saved from that. Um, 
Magdalene mm-hmm. was the first person that Jesus sent with a message of hope. If we look now in the New Testament, which is the place where we start to see or we talk more about the men, um, we see that when we look at the disciples of Jesus, yes, we talk about the 12 male disciples, but we also forget about the likes of Mary, who was one of the women who followed Jesus. She sat at his feet. She, mm-hmm. she had the pr- the privilege of hearing from God or from Jesus himself <clears throat> about what the kingdom of God was about. Um, look at the mm-hmm. witnesses. And if you look at Mary Magdalene, who was the first person to see um, Jesus resurrected, she's the one who went and told them. She was um, the one who was sent to go and say, Jesus is alive. Um, and then you in in when when we talk about Paul now Paul one of the things that fascinated me is is if we look at um his his experiences a third of the people who served with Paul were women um in some cases mm. you'll see like in Romans chapter 16 i think it's in verse 7 where you see um a reference to i think it's Andronicus who's a guy and then there's Junia J U N I A that's a woman who served and that she was imprisoned and she went through everything that the apostles went through. Um, so through the, te- the, the New Testament as well, you know, we see uh, Phoebe, we see Lydia, who was a merchant. Um, Phoebe was a deacon. Priscilla was a teacher with her husband, Aquila, in, in the book of Cor- in, in Corinth. Um, and we see this in the book of Acts. And then you see also prophetesses who were there. So, you know, one of those mm. things where if you look throughout the Bible, women have been intricately a part of what God is doing. And I mean, even in the Bible, it talks about, I think it's in Isaiah, where it was prophesied that your daughters and your sons, you know, uh, wasn't just daughters mm. and it wasn't just sons. All of the people were part of God's big plan. So um, for me, there's just every reason why women just simply fit into the the, the narrative of 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 salvation and of the gospel, because that is what God's intention was. Remember, we are created in image, male and female at the end of the day. So when we look into that, we need to understand that the interpretation has historically been wrong where it has sidelined women, um, whereas we are and have been since the beginning of time a part of God's great plan. Yeah. That, that's so awesome because I think it reminds me of that, like you're saying, since the beginning of time, when God said, let us create men uh, in our image and he created them male and female, and then he blessed them. He actually said to both of them, the female and the male, you know, be fruitful and yes. multiply. And I think that that's, that's what you're saying. Like the heart from the beginning was that both of them would work together you know, to bring um, fruit and, and to dominate yeah. the earth. So, so I know like in, in, in the media, there's many narratives of, you know, the future is female and all of that. What do you think on about that um so i understand what the the implication is there i don't necessarily um, agree with the statement but i I understand that what what they're saying is that we are going into a where women will have a bigger role to play because they will have an opening Mm -hmm. for equal opportunity really 
Um, so we may be pushing mm -hmm. the narrative of the future being female, but I think the future is female and male. But the difference is that there will mm -hmm. be more equal opportunities. I mean, if you look at where we've come from up to now, there's been major strides made by women around the world in terms of, um, yes. of coming into the forefront. I mean, the latest one, we know being Kamala Harris, um, being black mm -hmm. and female and and you know if we look at uh, um, mm -hmm. even in even in our spaces in South Africa um, it's you know the AG I think it is who's also now just recently been brought in so there's a lot of space women that are opening mm -hmm. up now um, that need to recognize yes. and see that there have been strides um, there has been mm -hmm. that have been experienced and so we are saying there's more of that but there's another angle that I'd like to, to bring in at this point, because there's what we call the, there's a study and, and you know, those who are listening can, can Google it. And it's called the diversity dividend um, for a power mm -hmm. utility, right? It's so hard to figure out which one that is. And one of the things we have mm -hmm. <laughs> in the organization is a women advancement program. And part of the women advancement program talks about the he for she campaign. So what the difference is there is it's saying that we are no longer just campaigning. It's not just women campaigning for themselves, but we are now bringing to campaign for mm -hmm. she. So you can't have this story and you can't have this future with women alone. The men need to tag along, understanding what are the injustices that have been experienced, how they can partner with different mm -hmm. women to, um, or with women in general, just to to make it different, to to hear the experiences, to hear what what happening mm. um you know and, 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 a, and an example i can use there is like in my workplace i work on a construction site right and naturally that's a male-dominated mm. field i now work in an operation space still male-dominated but and and the only reason it's mm. male-dominated is because typically it was men who worked in that type of environment and so they set up the environment to work and to be conducive for them what we need to do now as women is we step into the future, recognizing that we now also need to now change the narrative and, and, and set up a space where it works for us as well, um, together mm -hmm. with the men, hence the he for she campaign, which is actually being run by the United Nations. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, um, as part of this diversity dividend, what there's a study that has been done and a lot of companies have participated in it worldwide. And what they're seeing is the return on investment. Why? Because where you have an environment which, which is more diverse, whether it's ethical, racial, age, whatever the factor is, the more diverse your workplace, mm -hmm. um, the, more in, the more productivity increases. And also what the, the return on investment mm -hmm. has gone up, up to by 35% in some cases because they've brought women into the workplace. Sure. And this is in senior executive levels. So we can see both, we can see that wow. this diversity dividend is actually meaning that the future is not just female, the future has more female, right? Mm -hmm. in, a, in, a, in a world which was yes. typically male dominated. And because of that diversity, which I really believe is actually coming back to what God's plan was, is God knew that as men mm -hmm. and women, we can achieve a lot more than we could as just yeah. men or just women. So we need to then um, take advantage of that. And we need to step into that place where we're no longer talking about just the future being female, but we need mm -hmm. to start talking about diversity.
those are the those for me are the that's the narrative that we should be pushing is equality in opportunity and diversity because in that strength and we will see um growth in every area really our work or homes it doesn't matter if we apply this principle i think it it works everywhere Hmm. well it's really amazing for me how you know, the wisdom of God is actually, so um, it proves itself, you know, like when the Bible says, uh, it says something about the children of wisdom will actually be evident. So when we start to actually work the way that he created, we actually get more fruit. And like you say, when both male and female are working together and not tearing each other apart, it actually shows even in the natural, which is shows um, the beauty of yeah. the heart of God yeah, at the end 100%. of the day. You know, a sure. lot of the time we fight what God wants us to do and how God wants to be without realizing mm-hmm. that when he put a plan together, he knew best. Mm-hmm. And then only later on, we look back and we're like, oh, okay, that's what God's intention was. But we're actually not fighting God. We're actually fighting the interpretation of what people thought that God meant. And that's why it's so mm. important for mm. us to go back to the word and read it in its pure simplicity. You know, um, a lot mm. of the times we we take other people's interpretation as gospel and as truth. Go back yes. and look at it for ourselves and interpret it for ourselves. Because when you start reading it with your own eyes and, and with a fresh understanding, you start to get all these discoveries where you're like, but why are we struggling with this thing? Because biblically it's been there beginning you know the bible Mm. has been saying this thing for the longest time you know why didn't i see it all these years i've lived it's only the couple of years that i've seen Mm. the role of women in the bible why because when i went to church it was probably a male preacher um who was pushing some specific agenda and he had his own personal Mm. experiences which then um, affected his interpretation of what the Bible was. And we're really getting to a time where my encouragement for everyone is to read the Bible for themselves, not an interpretation, not a sermon. I mean, all of those things are good, but go back and look at what God's intention was for for life and for godliness. And, and you'll see that when he talks about the fact that his yoke is easy and his burden is light, then you realize you're letting a lot of pressures that you've mm-hmm. put on yourself a lot of control that you thought you had that you actually don't need to have and leaving things to doing it his way, Mm. you know? Yeah, that's so good. It's really so good. Um, So, so like you've already mentioned that you, your workspace is really so male dominated, dominated. How do you keep yourself from acting like the men, (laughs) so to speak, you know, in that kind of environment? I know it's a patriarchal, society with all this male whatever how do you respond in that space yeah so for me i i get my identity from god you know i don't let people define who i am whether it's my parents um whether it's my children my husband they, they don't define who i am i get my identity from christ and he's the one who says who i am and who i am is not related to the roles that I play. It's it's outside of all of that, whether it's my role at home as a wife or as a mother or as an employee, my identity first comes from who God calls me or who God says I am. So coming from 
workplace, when I enter mm-hmm. the workplace, I'm not trying to be anyone but myself. I don't know how to be anyone else but myself. The one thing yeah. that, that God mm-hmm. that I know I have confidence in is that I have applied myself in the trade, meaning that what I know I have learned, I have applied myself, and I do have something to bring to the table. And that's that confidence in terms of when I mm-hmm. step in and I say, okay, I am an engineer, I'm a chief engineer, this is what my role is, this is what I do when I speak. I speak with confidence because I have applied myself, right? I'm not there because I'm a woman. It wasn't, a, it wasn't about statistics. And if it was, I would refuse to step in a role like that if I knew that I didn't have what it takes. But I do know. So when I step in that role um, in the workplace, I'm coming in as Grace. I'm not trying to be Paul or Joe or Sam. I'm coming in with I have to offer. Mm-hmm. And, and that's so important for me to do because what I bring adds value. Just going back to the diversity dividend, which is just a proof of, of that is something that I didn't know before. But when I walk in with what I have, I come in knowing that I add value in, in the environment that I am in and I bring integrity. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm bringing what I have. So when, when an organization hires you, they're hiring you to, to perform a specific role because they believe that you're capable of doing it. Um, whether statistics in terms of fitting and we need more male or more female or whatever the case may be, that's not so much what it's about. It's about me adding value to the place that I come in. And as Grace, I add value. So if I'm encountering different people, I mean, and and there I can tell you stories (laughs) about different experiences of sideline because I am a woman. Um, But in, in the core of it, mm-hmm. what what grace brings adds value, and it's it's for a specific role, and I'm going to bring it excellently every time. That's what that's how I know to to bring myself. So I don't as much as there's a lot of men, and and sure. of course they have their own opinions and perceptions, and I've experienced a lot of those. Um, I just bring what I have to offer to the table. Mm. So 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 basically, what you're saying is your identity really needs to be solid. And it's, it needs exactly. to be solid in God for you not to to act like the man. Do you do you have examples that you can actually share with us in terms of how you've handled that? Yeah. You know, on the ground. So I'm 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 laughing because I'm thinking of it's a conversation we were having recently with one of our um HR executives at work. And what you were you know, it's interesting when you're sitting mm. in a boardroom, for example. So she was sharing, obviously, because she sits in the C-suite um, and she was just sharing her experience that when she raises her voice, um, then she's emotional. And there's the same man who's going to mm. raise his voice and bang the tables. But for him, he's being aggressive and he's sharing his point, you know. So a lot of the time we and, and, and for me, mm. I know I have a character which does not allow me to keep quiet. So if, so if there's an injustice, if there's something I don't agree with. I will voice it professionally, yes. I'm not going to sit. So a lot of the time, mm-hmm. that would be interpreted as, you know, stopping emotional about this. Stop, you know. And and, mm. and that's the thing is it it becomes more about my pers- me as a woman as opposed to me um, addressing an issue. And I've had to be clear to say that, you know mm-hmm. what, just because I disagree with you in the boardroom does not mean that when we walk out, I'm not going to be sulking on you. It's not personal professional and I'm very mm-hmm. clear about separating yeah. professional and personal. Um, I've had, had 
experiences where mm. um, I, I remember we had this project that we were running and I was asked to lead the project. And one of the facilitators was, uh, was a white male. So he was the, my lead facilitator in this particular project. Um, and we mm. all got into the boardroom and I went in early because I wanted to meet the team and get to know everyone and, you know, just talk to different people and say hi. Um, and before the meeting started, I remember there's this Indian gentleman who came in. He was also new on the team. So it was a new team because it has had a lot of external people as well. And greeting everyone and, you know, mm. and he was like, oh, hi, Grace, are you the are you the, the personal assistant or the secretary? And I was so like, so so at that point, then my <laughs> response has obviously would be then very important in terms of how I respond to that. And I remember, you know, I just said no. Yeah. And I left it at that. And I didn't take it personal because I said, you know what, I know I'm supposed to either be cleaning and bringing tea or taking minutes or, you know, that's typically what you see a black female doing. And this is what they know. Um, so I'm not going to take mm. it personal. I'm just going to keep quiet. And I, and I remember then the meeting started. And the facilitator, the white male, starts talking and is like, welcome everyone to the project. Da, da, da. And then he introduces me and says, Grace is the lead for this project. And I remember looking, I don't know, I guess it was in the side, he was in my eye view. And I just saw this man shrink, the guy who called me the assistant. Um, and I remember sure. thinking, so, <laughs> so for me wow. at that point, it was two things. It was my response. My response was important. Why? Because there's nothing wrong with being a personal assistant. Right. So because I'm a lead does not mean mm -hmm. that the assistant is less of a person. That's the role that they play yes. in the workplace. And I respect that role. Not everyone is called to administration and they do it well. So as long as we are all fulfilling yeah. our spaces, um, then it's, it's important for us to, to recognize and to respect other people's roles. So that's why I wasn't like, why is it? Why would even you call me that? Da, 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 da. You know, if someone called me, janitor or a cleaner there's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with that they're just assuming a role because that is what they've seen women doing in the past the highest role that a mm. woman can have in the workplace that's where they're mistaken nothing wrong with the role itself it's just the assumption that i can't be anything more than that and that's where the, the, you know the issue is yeah. so we all need to take pride in whatever role it is that we play even if it was a personal assistant you take on that role with pride but it should not be on the male perspective or in anyone else's perspective, the thought that that's as good as can be because you are mm -hmm. female. And that's for me where the issue is, is not being judged mm -hmm. because of my sex. And that's where um, a lot of the issues in the workplace mm -hmm. start. And that's the place where that he for she campaign falls in is when I come to the workplace, then I'm able to express. I mean, I remember um, just one last example is when I was my first child. Mm. Now, I, I told you at the beginning that um, I'm like, I'm an engineer. It's a hobby. This is what I do. Like, this is what I really enjoy doing. I'm not there just for fun. So I remember two of my, my manager, mm. he was a white male and one of my other colleagues, also a white male. And they came and said to me, they're like, oh, you see now engineering is like this big thing in your life. And when you have a child, it's going to become like this small, small thing. Now, for me, having such a passion for what I do, obviously, instantly took offense. And I was like, how dare they say to me that I will yeah. not be, that engineering won't be as important to me as, as, you know, as it was before. And I remember my yeah. response being that, that's it. I'm going to take two months maternity leave and I'll come back just to prove them wrong. 
And that was the wrong response on my part. Mm-hmm. So lucky for me, at the time at church, we sure. were doing this peer coaching um, and, and transformational coaching um, program where you're partnered with someone and your peers and you meet and you talk about life and you encourage each other. And I had Yvette as my partner. And that woman is just so full of wisdom. And she's older than me. She has older boys as well. And she said to me, she was, no, the thing is that you need to realize. So mm. she's a she's an orthodontist and she had to go back to work because she was the main breadwinner. So she didn't have the opportunity to sit down, to sit at home with the children for long after she had her children. And she said, Grace, my had to grow up so quickly because I wasn't there. They had to fend for themselves and they needed to do. They had to do all of these things for themselves. Do not deprive your children what they need because you're trying to prove a point. That hit me so hard. I was like, Mm. sure. So I took five months off. I was like, you know what? I'm going to plow into where I need to be. I'm going to recognize the season that I'm in without trying Mm. to prove anything to anyone else. And you'll find that for us as women, we need to understand that it's so important for us to understand that in the workplace, because it's still a place which was built for men, we need to now start transforming it for women. We need to start saying, this is what needs to happen. Mm. This is how things need to play out for it to suit us. How does, what does that mean? going to be away from work sometimes mm. because my child is sick and typically you will find in most cases the husband will go to work and the woman remains at home so already I don't know if you've seen this cartoon of uh, women and men starting a race and it's you know on these tracks these Olympic tracks and they have nothing in front of them but the woman has the laundry has the child has errands and all of these things that need to happen mm-hmm. for them to do the same type of distance but yet there's a lot for them to get there and we need to recognize that those are not negatives those are things that how um that's how life plays Mm. out and it's up to you and your spouse to decide or you and your partner to decide how you want to uh play out this type of situation you know how are you going to partner together to get ahead um and and Mm. for me it's it was then the realization that i'm not going to apologize for wanting or for being a part of my children's lives so how does that look like in the workplace? Mm. It means that at some point for me, um, the safety of my children around water with swimming was important. So I started taking them for swimming classes. Swimming classes for children at that age are like at 4 p.m. or 4.30. So it means I, I cannot be at work until 7 or 6 p.m. I need to leave work early. So I had to say to my manager, you know what, on these days, Tuesdays and whenever, um, I need to leave by four o'clock because the swimming class that's at 4.30 and I still need to go home and go for swimming. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had to respect that. And I used to say, if you set the meeting at 3.30, it's fine. If you need me, just know I'm going to have to leave at four o'clock. So we either address the issues or we move the meeting because this is something that I'm not compromised. And sure. what I realized is that I taught my manager how to, understand boundaries and lucky for me is he's an understanding person he's a very good person to family and he was a family mm. he's he's big on family values so I know that wouldn't necessarily mm. be the same for every person who encounters with your manager and and it came to a, he encouraged yeah. me to actually be involved in family things and I remember at some point it even became a joke where um, the one time he was leaving early and I was like how oh, boss are you working half day and he said swimming 
and he walked out. And we laughed about it, but, you know, I didn't feel discriminated against because I was like, you know what, whatever he meant by it, the point is the boundary had been established. I wasn't trying to be another man in the workplace. And, And in terms of my priorities, it's God, it's my husband, it's my children, it's my ministry, and then it's my work. So standing the priorities mm. in my life also sure. then will, will clearly dictate where I need to be at any point in time. If there's something happening that my husband needs me to be there for or my children need me to be there for, I'm going to sacrifice work if it's important for them because that's how priority is set up. And mm. I refuse to apologize for that. So I think that's, that's for me something that I've had to learn is to mm. be unapologetic for the things that are important that I make up in my mind. I mm-hmm. have accountability and I have people around me who will speak into my life and tell me, okay, here you're missing it or here you're not because I'm not perfect and none mm-hmm. of us are. So we need we need people to be around us. And that's actually probably the last point I want to make on this one is we also need to stop trying to be super women or super men because yeah. we need help. Yo, guys, you know, I... It's having children is, it's not child's play. And, and, you know, now you're trying to have a career, you're trying to have children, you're trying to do all of these things in life, uh, trying to get ahead on your own. You're going to mm. burn out. You can't do it on your own. So my encouragement is to always make sure mm. that you have a support system. My support system is, um, he knows mm. his children better than any, better than anyone else. So he's the first person I'd leave my children with. Um, should should I need to? But if he's not there, then I had I had Makulu. Makulu was our support system. So there's always someone around us that if I need to step out and be a career woman, there's someone who's watching my kids. Not at the expense of me being a mother, though. You know, I didn't have children raised by someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm invested in that life. But for me to be able to have that work life balance, it's so important to have a support system. Don't try and do it all by because it's going to be. That's when you're going to start hating people, hating things. You're just going to feel like life is just not, you're not cutting it. We have people around us to rally around us to help us. So let's not be afraid to ask for help at all. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's, that's a whole lot of, of wisdom that you've uh, spoken of. And it, it's really beautiful how, you know, realizing who God has made you to be and prioritizing the, the, the things that he said in your life instead of trying to prove yourself in different spaces, yet at the end of the day, uh, disregarding the order of God. So that's, you've actually explained it so well. And at the end of the day, yeah. you are still the female that God created you to be, but you are able to to do whatever He wants you to do from a place of rest and not uh, striving to be the superwoman that um, that is expected yeah. of. That's just really beautiful. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's like almost the last question. Thank you for sharing. Uh, just the last, last, last one. Are there any books or, or resources or even women that you can recommend for people to research on that leave out the biblical perspective of, of women? 
and men and men being equal so they can see what that really looks like on the ground because i i know there's there's many that may feel like okay you sound like you're in an environment that sounds good but you don't know my environment you know yeah. and i don't even know where to start what would you point them to in terms of of how they can yeah. practically work so, that out i'm one for um real life experiences and what i mean by that is i don't necessarily read as much about you know women and and all of that what i would rather meet them and experience mm-hmm. them and and see them um and hear so yes there's books mm-hmm. um out there and there's and there's there's a lot of wisdom that comes out there but what i would encourage people to do is mm. look for people who are in their same sphere of influence in their same in in the sphere in which they operate there are people who i'm sure that you look up to you know people that every often mm. um and those are the people who will who will speak real life because you see them often so you get to know whether they're just telling a story or you know whether they they're telling tales so my mm. encouragement and i'm very big about mentoring um mentorship coaching and 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 i differentiate the two this way coaching for me is for example if i have a skill or a life or if i you know if it's like a life coach type of experience that i'm looking for then i will look for someone to teach me the skill right that's what i call a coach on the other hand you have mm-hmm. a mentor and that's someone yeah. who looks at you as a person who looks at your interests who looks at your ambition who looks at your family situation who understands you and is able to give you guidance um in terms of different different approaches so one is teaching you a skill in terms of a coach and mm-hmm. one is teaching you or one is guiding you at the end of the day god is the one in your life and you know best what yeah. and god knows best and you know what god wants you to do right so we are assuming been established you then mm-hmm. bring people into your life who can speak into your life we all need people who can speak into our lives um people who make time for you people mm-hmm. who are willing to share their lives with you to share their successes to share their failures and those are the people you want to experience but to do that you number one need to be courageous enough to step up and ask them to either be a mentor or to be someone who can speak into your life mm-hmm. um a lot of us keep saying mm-hmm. we're like ish but where am i going to find this person and the, and you'll find the people who are out there who are passionate about um raising up or yeah or you raising up people to come after them are people that I'm I'm many out there and I'm sure you know mm. each of us know people who are like that. We literally just need to go and say you know what I really I look at your life I admire what you do um and where you're going and and your life seems to be very much in line with where I am or your experiences speak to my experiences. Can we have sort of a mentorship discussion mm. or agreement or you know can we let's talk about this. Let's let's talk about life and how you've managed to navigate this is what i'm going through how do you go through this how do you deal with this because it looks like you've mm. overcome this um at women's conferences where it's a mm. good platform where you get to learn from other people where you get to meet um other people and also look for people who are peers um who are the people mm. that are around you and the people that can speak into your life the people that you're accountable to those are the people that you and to have around you for me those yeah. are the best resources um that you can and i think that's how god again yeah. god created us to have relationship with people 
Mm. Um, so we are created to be in relationship with each other. And I think that's what we should capitalize on. Um, so I would, I would discourage, um, mm. not discourage completely, but this, this whole notion of where we are going virtual, whether it's audible books, listening to books, listening to or reading books or Instagram and social media being the ways that we, we get information, I think that becomes quite uh, superficial because you're actually not getting to see the real story. I mean, I know people who one thing and something else is happening in their mm. lives. And here we are trying to pressurize ourselves to follow and be like a person. Um, we don't get mm. to see their struggles. We don't get to see their experiences. We don't get to see, you know, a lot of things about what's happening in their lives. We just see the end product and it looks amazing. And we're trying to get that in 24 mm. hours. Let's rather journey people who we know yeah. and who we can experience on whose lives we can actually testify and say, you know what, I've seen what God has done for this person. And if God can do this for this, then I know this, that the mm. same God is able to do it for me. Step out of the virtual mm. world and, and actually have real relationships and, and, and friendships with people in real life. For me, the authenticity comes mm. through. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's beautiful, you know, um, yeah. life on life, what what the Bible talks about, having yeah. life on life. Thank you so much, Grace, for, for, for your time, uh, for your wisdom, for sharing your experiences and, you know, really um, taking us deeper into understanding the heart of God in terms of male and female being equal. So just to round it off, what would you say? Is the future really female? Um, I would say the future should be about the females lifting up the females. Um, and, and I'll be, and I'll say why okay. I say that. I, I think that we as women or we as females more than anyone know the struggle, know the injustice and understand the impact it's had in our lives. For us, it's, it's mm -hmm. something that we have lived out. What I would want to encourage is the only way that the future will be more female, and I like to add the more in there, um, meaning that more women in, in more prominent positions and places or spaces where we've never been able to penetrate into is by us lifting each other. So lift as we are. So I would really mm -hmm. encourage us as women, if we want to see it more, we are the ones who need to really promote it and that means that when I'm in the workplace or if i'm in mm -hmm. a church or whatever platform it is that i'm in i am conscious about promoting other women making space um, for other women because i mm -hmm. more than anyone else can empathize with what it is that is happening i need to be able to it's a safe space for mm -hmm. the people who are going to come after me um i need ensure that the environment mm. caters for the people that are going to come after. So I realize what I am doing is going to be lifting up other people. We need to equip ourselves. Mm. We need to be relentless in our preparation, in our knowledge, in our skills. We're not just going there because we're female. We're going there because we know we are capable. We know we have the skill. We have the knowledge. We have the ability. We have the competence in those spaces but let's not leave each other behind mm. because we need to recognize that there is an inequality 
and that there needs to be a future where there's more women in places that we, we need to penetrate. Yes. We never complained about becoming chefs and being in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we don't have a problem with that. So in the same way, no one should have a problem with us as women stepping into places that we are capable and competent of stepping into um, because God given us the ability to do mm-hmm. what he has called us to do. Yeah. Mm. Amen to that. Amen and amen. <laughs> Thank you so much, Grace. That's such a beautiful ending to the to the episode. <laughs> and it's thank you so much for having me on. It really is an honor and a privilege. And if I'm to say, if I can say one last sentence for everyone is is let the world be different because you you lived on this earth. So be that person, let the world be different because you lived, because the fact that you lived means that God knew that there's something specific to do. So step out, do it, mm-hmm. and don't apologize for it. Amen. 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 Thank you. Taking that to heart, taking that advice to heart. Thank you, oh, Pastor Grace. Thank you so much, Faith, for having me. <laughs> interesting conversation with grace i hope you found it interesting as well and it got you beginning to think about the different narratives out there and really um, wanting to know more about what god has to say about certain narratives that are in society Um, so thank you for tuning in i hope you share this with others and you subscribe to the podcast i'm also looking forward to hearing your views please send through your voice messages there's a voice message link on the podcast podcast episode so feel free to shoot your comments uh, my way and all the best in the holiday and the new year i hope you are looking forward to it i am see you next year 